Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Michelle Waters. She is the founder of Rethink ELA. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the company. We're going to be talking about her journey uh, into entrepreneurship and learn more about what she's doing uh, so that you yourself can gain some gems that will help you in your journey and becoming a more profitable entrepreneur, educational consultant, or whatever term that you are using. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Michelle? Well, like you said, I'm Michelle Waters. Um, I'm an English teacher. I teach 8th, ninth, and 10th grade um, ELA. And Actually, this is pretty much my third career now that now that I think about it. And so I've worked to blend being a writer and being an entrepreneur um, into working with students and helping them become better writers and, and better readers. All right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. I mean, if you were to have asked me at 25 what I would be doing, what I'm doing right now, I would tell you no. Uh, so what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up and how did you find yourself in a K through 12 classroom? Well, I always tell people that I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was seven and then I forgot for about 30 years. <laughs> I know some kids, I ask them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, I have no idea. And I told them, don't worry about it. You've got plenty of time, but we can work on figuring that out. Uh, like I said, though, I, as a seven-year-old, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I loved playing school. Um, my sister hated it because I always wanted to be the teacher, which you know, made sense to me because I was the oldest and she was five years younger. Um, but then as I, time went on, I discovered I liked to draw and I, then teachers told me I liked to write. And I had some teachers who really pushed me to be a writer. And so I thought, you know, let's, let's try that. Plus, I was really shy and quiet as a student and as a young person and so I, you know, couldn't imagine myself standing in front of a classroom and, you know, talking to people all day long. And so I became a newspaper reporter and I did that for about six years or so. And then I had kids and realized that the two to 10 shift on the newspaper wasn't going to work with having young children at home. And so uh, my husband was, you know, making good money in a job as a communications technician and so I was able to stay home with them and during that time I realized that while I loved my son who was a year old um, he wasn't a very good conversationalist <laughs> at that time and so I started a web design and hosting company basically taught myself how to write html and css code and how to um build e-commerce sites and I had friends online who were starting their own businesses selling baby products and I thought you know hey that's something that I could do I could help them and uh, so I started that company and ran that for about almost 10 years and during that process I realized that I kind of had two kinds of clients and it's sort of on a sliding scale but two dot two different kinds of clients the one kind really knew how to communicate who they were and tell their story and convince other people to buy their products. And they knew how, they knew what they wanted and knew how to 
to get what they wanted. And then I had other clients who would buy the software and hosting that I was offering, and then it would just sit there. And I'd ask them, you know, well, what is it that you're wanting to do? How, how did you plan to get there? They really had no answers to those questions. They just kind of had this idea of, I want to make more money and help support my family, but no really, no real story to get to that. And so, um, while I enjoyed running a home-based business and using the technology, it's you, you kind of spent a lot of time by yourself. My kids were in school at this time. And I remembered back when I was seven, wanting to be a teacher and really enjoying teaching people things and seeing people learn things. And I especially enjoyed when you know clients did call or did message me and say, hey, I need help with this and you know, teaching them how to do um, what they were wanting to do. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe if I could get a hold of kids a little, or people a little sooner and you know, help people figure out what they want to do and help people communicate, then they could be more successful and they might have this option you know, to be an entrepreneur or to um, at least communicate what they need to other people. And so I decided to explore the possibility of becoming a teacher and um, I talked to the pastor at my church at the time whose daughter was thinking about being a teacher and she was going the alternative certification route and I hadn't even heard of that before didn't even know that was an option. And so I started exploring that and took the tests and started substitute teaching at my children's school to, you know, kind of see what it was like. And I also thought, you know, what principal is going to hire me if I have no classroom experience whatsoever. And so through that experience, I was able to get some good references from classroom teachers and um, went and got my certification and my first job. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. And, you know, having been a writer, it just made sense to me to start a, a blog to kind of write about my journey and try to connect with other people. And having been online for almost 10 years, it made sense to go to Twitter, to Facebook, um, to other forums as I looked for um, that sort of, or those routes to finding other teachers out there and just kind of started building my own community to figure out what in the world am I doing? Because it didn't take me long to figure out, wow, this is a whole different world and I need help figuring out what I'm doing because otherwise it's sink or swim and I just took a nosedive in the dive in, dive, excuse me, the deep end and I, I need help and I, I didn't want to just just rely on the teachers in my building. So like I said, I started looking for other people to connect with. So what was your journey like becoming an entrepreneur, right? As, as the founder of Rethink uh, ELA, uh, how did all of that uh, transpire? Starting in 2012, I... That was after my first year of teaching, and I felt like I really needed to just kind of chronicle my journey. And I noticed that there were some sites where teachers were, you know, selling lesson plans. And so I was um, looking for ideas for my own classroom and looking for ideas to bring into my classroom. And then, like I said, I like to write and I like to connect with other people through writing. And so I started my website and it started out as Mrs. Waters English because it was pretty much about my journey. And so I, as I learned more and figured out what I was doing and started developing my own lesson plans and um, kind of 
synthesizing all the information that I was seeking to try to become a good teacher to figure out how to teach the, the kids in front of me and figure out, you know, how to be the teacher that they needed. Then I started, you know, I started Teachers Pay Teachers account and just started putting some things there. Um, and again, still writing about it on my blog. And then I realized I wanted to do kind of what I did as a web designer and a web host, and that was partner with other teachers. And I realized that it didn't need to be just about me. It needed to be about, you know, what the kids needed. It needed to be about the partnerships. And so I didn't think Mrs. Waters English really would work. And so as I partnered with other people, um, including young writers and other English teachers, I realized I needed to change the focus. And so that's why I changed it to Rethink ELA because I, I realized there's, there's kind of two sorts of teachers and particularly in English teachers, you have the teacher who is more of a gatekeeper. They're teaching curriculum. They um, are deciding you know, which kids know what they're doing, which kids can pass the test, which kids um, meet the standards. And then there's teachers who are like, okay, I'm gonna meet you where you're at and I'm going to pull you up. I'm going to nurture you. I'm gonna guide you in your journey, wherever you're at. And those teachers start with the kids. And that I, I know lots of English teachers that fall into both camps, but I also know that it's kind of easier. And, and I know I started out in the first camp. I'm like, okay, I'm teaching English. I am an English teacher. You know, these are the standards. Now, how can I, you know, make these kids do what I think they need to do? And so I had to start rethinking ELA, rethinking how I was teaching to be more student-centered to start with them and what they need and what they're interested in. You know, instead of bringing in, well, these are the books I read when I was in high school, or these are the types of assignments I did when I was in school. Um, who are the kids in front of me? What do they want to read? What do they want to write about? And how can I make this about them? And so that's why I switched the name. That was in probably about 2018. It was the very beginning of 2018 into 2017 that I readjusted the focus, changed the name, and started my own podcast, which kind of fell by the wayside a little bit this last year. But I, in a few hours, I actually have another interview with one of my writing partners who created, uh, he created his own media company here in Oklahoma. And so I, he has given me or licensed Rethink ELA to use some of the media that he created on our site and sell it as part of um, a unit. And so I'm, you know, profit sharing with him in order to kind of help support him, but also to help put him out there in front of, you know, other teachers and help and other kids in, in particular. So please walk us through your process for teaching students how to be better readers and, and better writers. Well, one of the first things I do is, you know, survey them. And, you know, I do this using Google, Google Forms, um, find out, you know, what their interests are, who are they as just human beings, as people. Um, I know last year was a really rough year for me because I had a completely different group of kids who 
are very, they are very energetic and they know who they are and they know they don't like to read and they don't like to write. They're very outdoorsy, athletic people who, you know, they love going and fishing and they love riding their dirt bikes. And, you know, it's kind of a, um, their interests are, you know, vastly divergent from mine. And so I had to figure out, okay, who are these kids? What are they interested in? You know, which yeah, I kind of just told you and what is available out there that they would enjoy reading. And so I found a couple of short stories that I thought they would like um, and put those in front of them and kind of put them into some groups and discovered that they were in there. They were reading out loud of each other. They were talking about what they were reading. They were opinionated. They had things to say. They taught me some things about what they were reading that I would have never known being a non-outdoorsy person that I, that I am. And it, they, I mean, I've got them again this year and, you know, they still don't like reading. They still don't like writing, but they'll do it. And they know that they can. And I had, I had to build up their confidence and show them that, yes, you can do this. Um, I think part of their problem is that they have been raised in an educational environment, which was very test focused. And so, you know, you're given these tests, you're told that there's a best answer. And if you, you know, if you weren't, if those aren't your your interests and you don't know anything about the passage that you read and you, you're trying to figure out the answers and you're constantly told, no, that's not the right one and you don't get it. and then you're just going to think, why, you know, why, why am I interested? Why am I doing this? And so I wanted to show them that they are in, you know, they've got what it takes to be good readers and to be good writers. We just need to, like I said, put something in front of them that they enjoy and that um, to show them that reading and writing is relevant to them right now. Because otherwise what happens is we have students who grow up and being illiterate. You know, you have people who are literate, they can read and write and people who are, Ill, Ill, excuse me, illiterate who can't. But then you have those kids who are illiterate and they'll sit there and tell you, I, I can read and write, but I don't want to and I don't see any purpose in doing this. And that's where we need to start is seeing, for them to see the purpose in reading and writing right now in their lives plus in the future. That's something you can't escape. Even when I speak to students uh, on occasion, you know, I tell them that your usage of math will be determined by your job, basically. However, reading and writing, you will never escape. You could be the manager of KFC. You will be writing reports you will be reading reports. There was, there, you'll be communicating with general managers, owners, et cetera. So those are skills that as long as you live and are working, you will never escape. And you know, it it's just incumbent upon them to embrace it. And I know sometimes it's easier for me to say say it then it is done and i'm you know i'm i'm just i'm an older dude on the outside you know but it's one of those things to where when i when i hear students who say things like that i'm like come on man come on like we got to do better we got to do better when you look at k through 12 or even in your own classroom and you see this whole writing piece and I, and, and writing 
to me is 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 impacted by what platform you are going to be delivering your writing much of what we have seen you know and you say you started out as a reporter is a lot of things shifting online do you think k through 12 teachers when they're teaching students how to write you know beyond the uh the essay format that they always teach people how to do, which is important, uh, but they, they teach students how to actually write in a digital age where you are writing on a, on, a, on a platform that's different, where you can have video in your piece, you can have links to other sites that, to take readers other places. I'm sorry, could you repeat the question again? In terms of like where we see writing has gone now, mm -hmm. right? Not to say that newspapers aren't there, but things have changed dramatically because of online spaces, right? Yeah. So do you think that K through 12 teachers, because we're seeing it and we're, we're seeing this play out in a lot of uh, journalism programs at the college level where they're not teaching them how to write in a traditional way in terms of your stuff is going to appear in print. They're teaching them of your stuff is going to be, appear online and it has to, you have to communicate in this way because you will be online. And the fact that video can be put in, put into your writing, that you can link your writing to another site or to another story um, that has changed journalism, right? Yeah. Um, when you're looking at teaching students how to write, do you think K through 12 teachers should take that into consideration? Absolutely, because I guarantee you their kids are already writing online right now. Um, I mean, they're on Snapchat, they're on Instagram, they're on, some of them are on Twitter, and I'm sure there are other platforms I'm not even aware of that they are on, and they're writing and they're putting content out there. Um, so we need to be teaching them how to be good digital citizens to really manage what they're putting out there. We need to teach them how to leverage what they're putting out there um, to help support themselves or help promote, you know, whatever I, you know, content or whatever ideas that they are trying to um, put in front of other people or to, you know, figure out exactly what they are putting out there mm -hmm. so they can make sure that they are putting what something good out there to make sure that they're using the platforms for a good purpose. Um, that's beneficial to society and um, beneficial to them as well. So I know a lot of, I think a lot of kids really aren't paying attention to what messaging they're putting out there. They're just kind of, you know, retweeting or, re, or reposting things that they see that look interesting. And they're not really sitting down thinking, who am I and what image am I wanting to project online? And, you know, I. I've read stories about students that, you know, had um, college offers rescinded, stories about kids that have, you know, become famous in a really bad way because of what they put online. And I don't want to see that happen to any of my kids. And so, like I said, they need to really think about who they are and who they are presenting themselves as. And I mean, they've got a lot of power in their hands. That phone that they have right there can mm -hmm. do amazing things. Um, I think a lot of kids though use it just as consumers. They don't realize that they can necessarily create as well. 
Um, and so I think we need to teach them not only how to be um, conscientious consumers, but also creators and how they can um, use the tools that they have in their hand um, in order to do that. And so I know in my class, uh, when we're writing essays, um, I work to try to build a writing community. And so we use our, our school uses Google apps for education. And so we use Google Docs and they write in Google Docs every day. They share with each other using the commenting system. Of course, when it's kind of hard when we're actually sitting in class and they're sort of you know yelling at their writing partner across the room. I'm like, you've got the commenting system, just write it in there, please. So that you know you can learn to respond that way. Uh, and then also, you know, if we end up going virtual suddenly, like we probably are next week because we've got this major snowstorm come in then they can still do their assignments and they can still talk to each other. And then I tell them, you know, I run a business um, and I write. And so I'll write things and have my um, beta readers or my writing partners read over them. And then they make comments in the, um, and make suggestions in Google Docs. And then I respond and we have conversations about what I've written and how I should change it or if it was really good or bad or whatever. And, you know, I'll pull some of those things up and show them this is how I use this as, you know, a, a grown up and as part of my business. And yeah, I know some of you right now don't think you want to write, but you never know. Um, and then, of course, I have kids who are interested in writing and I want them to have that process so that they, you know, in college, well, I, you know, last week I had a student who had an essay for her history class that she wrote and she's like, hey, Miss Waters, can you review this for me, please? I, I run it through Grammarly, but I, I just need you to look at it. So she sent it to me and I made some suggestions and made some comments to help her kind of think through a little further on what she had written and she got it back and sent me a direct message on Instagram saying I got a 100. She was so excited. So um, that's what I want the kids to be able to do is use those digital tools that they have in their hands everywhere they go. You know, a kid will leave a pencil in my class and I'll never see that kid again, but I guarantee you they leave their phone and they're back in five minutes. I, I forgot my phone. Um, and I mean, that's what they've got. That's the that's the world they live in. We need to teach them how to be good digital citizens and productive digital citizens with these tools. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to Rethink ELA. When parents or teachers go to your site, uh, what type of units are they going to find? I Most of my units really focus on writing. I've got some grammar units that I produced with a um, another teacher. She has taught at several different levels, everything from AP to alternative education. And she had developed some ways to converse about grammar. And grammar's tough because kids hate it and teachers, most of us aren't really fans of teaching it either. Um, and so it's a way to get them to see, you know, how even just a little comma can cause some issues. You know, there's a news story out there um, from a few years ago where it, the use of a comma, the Oxford comma in particular, resulted in um, a, diff a changed um, result in a court case, you know, because that comma wasn't put there or because it was, and I can't remember the details off the top of my head, but because of it, it changed the outcome of that court case. And so uh, having those conversations with students and having them see, you know, this is how grammar is used in the real world. It's not just, you know, something that we English teachers use to torture kids. Um, it's, it's, it's important and you need, you need to understand this. And so we have that unit. 
Um, I have a um, explode the moment personal narrative writing unit. The kids really get into these units and I use it at the beginning of the year because um, again, you have to start with where the kids are. And so we, I start with, let's write something about you. Let's pick that mm -hmm. moment where something has happened uh, and, and explode that, really dig into it and find all those details, all those um, sensory details to really help the person that's reading this experience it with you. Uh, and that unit was built around the writing of a former student. He uh, sat in my classroom back when he was a student and wrote this essay about the best day ever. And uh, the assignment was, you know, write about a, a day you'll never forget or a moment you'll never forget. And so he wrote this one. And uh, the, what I noticed is that he started out with just some emotionally relevant details about the setting, um, the classroom he was in, and then he took us through um, kind of the rest of the day, but not in a boring, you know, I'm going to write a thousand words that includes, you know, what color the carpet was, but, you know, it was relevant to what was going on. It was emotional. It moved the plot forward. It create contained characterization. And then he had this twist ending that, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, this is amazing that he used this whole format. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just sitting in my classroom in probably about five, 10 minutes. And so um, after he left my class and after, you know, he was, had turned 18, I asked him, you know, can I license this piece to include in one of my units? And actually, actually, this is, this is the essay that I asked him about just like a year ago. Um, and anyway, I put that online and so, and built a unit around it so that um, it, that piece of writing serves as a mentor text. And then I include several lessons that kids can go through to help them explode the moment of what they're writing about and really share that so that somebody else reading it can um, experience it with them both on a kind of an imaginative level mentally but emotionally. So all of us who work in education have been doing this pandemic teaching uh, and, you know, I myself as, as an instructional technologist have been working with teachers to sort of make sense of what they're doing. When you look at your company and the work you're doing, how have you been able to address writing in a virtual environment? Well, like I said, um, most of my writing and what I've done uh, before being a teacher, it was all done virtually. I, I, I was a home-based business. And so a lot of the people that I worked with, my clients, my um, independent contractors, all of those people, I most of them have never met in my life. I know people from online. And so we were on message boards together. We were on Twitter together, Facebook, et cetera. Um, and, you know, there's people in Michigan, people in California, people in Florida, people in Australia. And so I was already doing everything virtually um, before. It's actually kind of rare for me to be able to meet a, a client um, because they're local. I mean, that's not true now that I'm a teacher and I have a lot of colleagues, but before that, it was very rare for me to actually meet somebody locally. So I... I, it, was a, it was pretty easy for me to kind of pivot and start putting everything in Google Classroom and using Camtasia to create videos and uh, just using those tools that I already had to just kind of 
take everything that I was doing in person and putting it online. Um, I, I do know that students kind of struggle even with it being online because they, they really sometimes just need somebody to metaphor, metaphorically hold their hand. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in order to, of course, handle that, I've, you know, been able to email with them. I've, you know, been in some Google Meets with them. I've called a student or two to talk to them or walk them through the process. And there's been some times I've had to create some videos to just show them, okay, this is what you need to do, or this is the process that you use. Because a lot of what I'm teaching is just figuring out the, a process that can be reused over and over again, you know, kind of a project management process that works, whether you're, you know, writing an essay or a poem or creating, you know, like a book poster or a um, book trailer or, you know, doing something um, in a multimedia fashion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you brought that up because, you know, on Twitter, we hear a lot about, <clears throat> student agency and releasing the work onto students, giving them that, that ownership. But what you will find a lot of times when you do that, they, they freeze up. They don't yeah. know what to do because they're used to the sit and get worksheet and that's it. Yes. Yes. Um, my very first year of teaching, I came in and I'm like, you know, we're going to read and we're going to write. And what do you want to read and write about? And we were writing, you know, doing quick rides every single day. And I think it was about February when one of my classes just, I think they just kind of revolted. <laughs> They're like, this is crazy. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to write and read so much? And I mean, they were just freaking out. And, you know, I got everybody settled down and, you know, I was trying to figure out why in the world are they, you know, reacting this way and you know I'm thinking back to when I was in school and you know, I was in honors English classes and on the newspaper staff and so I was writing all the time and you know I loved it but you know of course not everybody's like that and so I'm trying to figure out you know where in the world are they coming from and finally I was able to sit down with a student and ask the actually kind of a group of students some of my writers we had gone to a writing conference and I asked him you know what is going on why do why did people just freak out when I asked them to read and write? It's not unusual. And they said, well, you know, when uh, we're used to just doing worksheets, grammar worksheets, and the teacher would read to us. And, you know, then they, you know, once they got the questions at the end of the chapter or whatever answered, then they were just kind of free to do whatever on their phones for the rest of the hour. And I realized, so when I'm asking them to come up with their own ideas and to write their own words and, hey, we're going to read the book, even though, you know, I give them several options, they can read independently, they can read with a group or a partner, or they can listen to it because listening to the story counts as well. Um, they just were completely floored and thought I was being unreasonable and <laughs> trying to torture them or something. And so... I really had to kind of work with them to help build their confidence. Um, I, I know that there are teachers who look at students who just shut down when they're asked to do work and they, they think those students are lazy. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's a lot of students out there that are actually just scared and it's easier to shut down and easier to take the F. You know, they you know, probably, you know, in some cases have, you know, failed before and it's like, okay, I'm just gonna have to live here because I can't do any better. But I discovered if I go to those students and say, hey, you can, you know, what questions do you have? What are you confused about? Yes, you're headed in the right direction. You're doing exactly what you need to do. And those are really good ideas. Write that down. 
know there's one kid in particular I spent a lot of time saying that sounds great write that down mm -hmm. um, once you do that and build them up and help them see that they are capable and when you it start where there are and then just kind of push them then they do great and it's something that we kind of have gotten gotten away from so what has been some of the feedback you have received from other teachers who have uh, purchased your units let me pull that up and just scoot my zoom window over i've got some of it actually put on the website so let's see here so on the social justice writing project um that's kind of encouraging kids they start out writing about how they've been single storied based on you know danger of a single story uh by chimamanda adiche mm -hmm. so they start with that they write about that and then they're encouraged to you know either write about how they've been single storied and kind of turn that into like an essay or a video or audio or they can write about how they see other people just kind of a social justice interest and they can you know you know, whatever, whatever interests them. Um, and so I, I built that around a mentor text written by, again, a former student who wrote about the different ways in which he had been single storied um, in his life. And it, you know, it was a really good essay and it helped several of my other students see things that were happening right under their noses that they didn't even realize. You know, I had one student say, wow, Ms. Waters, I didn't even know that racism still happened. And like, there it is. And this is a kid that you know. And so that was able to kind of open some eyes. And so I wanted to encourage this particular student to write and to see that writing is valuable. And it's, you know, it's something that he had said that he wanted to do. And so I wanted to really encourage him. So I built this unit. And one teacher, Lisa Overby, wrote after she taught this with her kids, she wrote, I teach young men who are incarcerated. They're middle and high school students who aren't typically good students or careful writers. We started the unit two weeks ago and we've had some amazing conversations. The boys are sharing personal stories and being much more mindful about how they interact with each other. The writing is a bit of a struggle for them, but they're doing it and enjoying the opportunity to share their thoughts. Um, let's see. Another lady named Susan writes, I am happy to share my positive experience with the social justice unit during our online learning practices due to COVID-19. What really resonated with my students with that was that there were so many options that helped them forget about being sheltered in place and instead reminded them of the larger issues that they will have to recognize and offer solutions as part of our society. So, she also says some of the things that my seventh and eighth grade students as part of our Montessori practice have, we have blended age groups specifically responded to was the Javon Johnson video, cause he's black. Their perspectives varied as people who had seen or been exposed to similar situations to students who'd read books that connected to the concept of racism as well as the students who made political connections. I was surprised at their maturity in making connections and how they felt regarding our government leadership using slurs and getting away with it. She also wrote, the students also related to the essay by Jordan Womack, if you think racism doesn't exist. I think they were shocked by the reality of Jordan's experiences as well as the experiences of some of their classmates. My students responded with such compassion and a sense of duty to ensure that discrimination due to any factor needed to be stopped. 
most of my feedback to them reminded them they were our agents of change and they were truly our future. And she said, I can't say enough about how this unit brought us all together at a time when we were far apart physically. I'm definitely planning on using this unit again next year. Uh, that's just one of the units. Let me find the other one. This is a more recent one, so it doesn't have quite as much feedback yet, but I'm working on that. I, let's see. What I love best about this narrative unit is that it includes the essential elements of effective writing pedagogy, quick writes, mentor text, writing as a process, and student autonomy. Everyone has a story to tell. You and your students can begin writing yours now. What are you waiting for? And she's a she's a doctoral student at the University of Oklahoma. Somebody I actually know in person and have worked with and for a few years now. But you know, I ask frequently you know, for teachers to provide feedback. And I've gotten lots of good feedback on these units in particular, basically helping kids see the value in writing and seeing how they can connect with each other and with other people through writing. And that's pretty much where it all comes down to me is getting them to see the value in writing and in reading right now. Awesome, awesome. So before we go, what is your advice? Uh, to those educators who are thinking about taking what they're doing in the classroom and turning that into a business? Um, I would say I'm going to start out with the part, the piece of just being a teacher, being a classroom teacher, whatever you're doing in your classroom teacher, you need to and this is coming from my national board journey. I'm still in the process. I'm still a candidate for national boards. And one of the most important things I learned there was to listen to the students, get to know your students. And so if you're thinking about heading in this direction, you need to examine your classroom practice and make sure that you are using, you know, pedagogical choices that center the students. Um, and then as you figure out how to do that and how to work with your students and you're you know, developing processes and routines and uh, materials, um, get them, you know, get them beta tested, you know, have, you know, use that revision process, use that review process and have other teachers look at it. Um, and then, and then just get started. I know one thing that stops a lot of students and a lot of teachers and other people is we look for perfection. We're like, oh, this has to be exactly right. It doesn't have to be exactly right. Just get it out there. You know, get the go to wordpress.com, get your blog started and start writing about your journey. Um, take those materials that you've created that have worked so well with your students and just, you know, start getting them ready to go and, you know, in a format that um, can be usable for other teachers. You know, have some other teachers take a look at it. Uh, I've recently discovered the value in having a teacher who's not in your area, you know, like a, a math teacher for me, um, look at your stuff because they can often see things um, that you need to change from a pedagogical perspective that maybe you wouldn't, have, wouldn't notice if another English teacher, you know, looks at it and, and, you know, you're kind of on the same page. So, you know, have that done, have that process in place. And then just make it happen. Because the nice thing about working virtually and doing everything digitally is if there's a mistake somewhere, you can go back and change it. If it didn't work out quite like you wanted to the first time, you can go back and do version 1.1 or version 2.0 and you know send that out. And people will see that you're willing to respond to their feedback 
and they're more likely, you know, they're going to trust you more and know you more and be more willing to work with you and, you know, spend their money with you if they know that you're responsive and that you provide excellent support. And so, you know, it's also about providing really good support, not only, you know, materials that will help teachers be more successful in their classroom, but also being responsive to them, just like I um, am responsive to my students. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, for Michelle, for coming on the show. You're welcome. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe and share with everyone you know. Yes, I like the stars. I like going and checking them out. But can I get some reviews? Can I get some comments? Because I'm trying to be found. And I'm also trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Michelle Waters, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. ADU, peace.